This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. Uh, I'm going to pray uh, to the Lord uh, for us all. So if you want to bow your heads with me and uh, let's pray. Uh, Father, I'm asking you for a help that can only come from you. I really ask, Lord, that uh, you would fill me with your spirit and may you use me to speak on your behalf. Give me the courage and the clarity as well, Lord, to speak your truth, a truth about unity, Lord. You yourself are in a unity yourself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, for this opportunity. Amen. Uh, the first thing I want to say is uh, just a, is the mic too high or, yeah? Put it closer to my, yeah? Okay. Give me 10 push-ups. Um, I just want to testify in terms of me and my wife and our family, two kids, have been coming to this church for uh, a year and a half now. And from the moment that we came into this church, you guys have welcomed us uh, with open arms. And where I saw that expression of love uh, expressed is when my wife was pregnant and we had Keanu, a little guy that was running up in here. And I guess he wants to be a preacher one day, maybe. And uh, we were overwhelmed with the amount of support that people supported us with but by just simply cooking meals. And I'm talking about we were eating like gourmet for about a month. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, I love this church. <laughs> um, the vision of this church is this, transformed by grace to love one another, to serve the city and share Christ. That is the very heartbeat of this church. Now, if you want to understand God and you want to understand Jesus, in John chapter 17, he has this real intimate prayer with God. And within that prayer, you see the very heartbeat of, 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 of God and his son and this communication that they have with one another. And what's important to them is, listen to this prayer. He says that they may all be one father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world, you see, there's an evangelistic edge to this unity in which we have. It's, it's that the world may believe that you sent me. You see, this, this unification of ours as Christians has, has a, a bold message saying to the world, a world in which are many factions, that we are united purely because of Christ. The other prayer in which Jesus gives, or he actually gives a new commandment in John chapter 13, verses 33 to 35, he says, love one another. I love saying that, love one another. Love one another as I have loved you so that you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love. Love is the thing in which binds all of this together. Love is the very reason why you're here and I'm here talking to you guys about this. It's about the love of God. It's the love of God which unites us all. Bible philosopher or Christian philosopher Francis Schaeffer says that this love is the final apologetic to our world. 
Yeah, we can give him facts. We can give him facts about the resurrection, but he's saying this is the final apologetic. John chapter 13 is the final apologetic, and in it he says, in John chapter 13, the point was that an individual Christian does not show, if an individual Christian does not show love toward another true, towards another Christian, um, then the world has the right to judge us that we are not his, his children. Jesus is stating something else which is more cutting, more profound. We cannot expect the world to believe that the Father sent the Son and that Jesus' claims are true and that Christianity is true unless the world sees some reality of the oneness of true Christianity. My one goal this morning is to help you to see that this is what Paul is doing. He's trying to lift your vision into what unity of the church is. He is he is wanting to lift our vision into understanding that this is not just a gathering of people. Something spiritual is happening in amongst our midst as we're sitting here right now. Listen, in 1 Corinthians chapter tw- uh, chapter tw- uh, chapter 12, sorry, verse 13, he says this, for we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether you're a Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spiritual drink. You see, guys, there is no social class, there is no race in which we are not unified in. The gospel breaks down all the barriers. Individuals are saved, not for just yourself, you see. We are saved to be part of a family. It's not like we become Christians and then all of a sudden we do our own private Christianity on the side. No, Paul is, Paul is helping you to understand that, no, we're drinking from the same spiritual drink and actually you are saved individually for something else far greater. I'm going to touch on this unity in which, but you're saved. We're saved for each other. We are the body. We are a family. Someone paints the picture of what happens to an individual when they receive the salvation from God. Someone says they are like a tree planted by streams of water and its leaf does not wither. And whatever it does, it prospers. You see, that's how it is as as a born-again believer. You're planted right near these streams of living water. And Paul says, you're drinking this spiritual water. What is that spiritual water? It's Christ. And what happens as believers is we grow more mature. Our roots go down deeper. We are strong. Not because of ourselves, but because of this life force, this, this spirit in which God gives us to quench our thirsty souls. We are part of a family. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says, You are like living stones, and you are being built into a spiritual house. You are a holy priesthood. This is a wonderful church. I know it's famous for all sorts of different things. But we are the church. Me, you, we are the living stones. We are the ambassadors of Christ. This is a wonderful building, but remember that that you, you are the living stones.
One of the things um, in this unity is I've played a lot of team sports in my life and I've often found that the best coaches in team sports were those who were able to, to bring a whole team together. Now, you imagine this, right? I'm using myself as an example. Ever since you're a kid, you have a goal to reach the top. And so you do everything you can at every year age that you go up in grade, you're the best player, right? You're the best player. And so by the time you get to first grade, you're coming together with a whole bunch of other guys who have been the best in their area. Now, you imagine all the egos, right? Do you imagine that? Gee, testosterone flying everywhere. I can tell you something. It is hard. It's so hard. But what I found, right, was, was that the good coaches were able to organize the team and to believe in a vision. One vision. And that meant that if you were a good goal kicker, but you were better at running the ball forward, which is, I thought I was a good goal kicker. But then when I, as the higher I got, I, I realized that my set of skills were best used for the team in this particular area. Basically just a ramming, just, <laughs> Straight up. But you know what? There's a, there's a point. The point I'm trying to get across is that we can be all really good at something, but in a team situation, we have to put sometimes put those things to the side in order for the team to flourish and to succeed. And in a way, Paul is our spiritual coach. And he, he, he gives us foundational truths, right? As to what the church is. He says, he says, the church is a body. Okay. Think about a body. It's alive. This is not a corporation. This is not a business. It's a body. It's alive. It's active. Right? And, and he goes on to describe in verses 15 through to 26 that in this body, there's different parts in this body. But the, the thing is, is that without all the different parts working together, the body can't function. Now, there can be a problem sometimes because those who, who seemingly have better gifts than other people, it may seem that they get bigger honor. But Paul here say, no, it's not that way in the, in the kingdom of God. In fact, everyone is the same. From the highest to the lowest, from the person who does the gardening to the person who preaches here in the pulpit, we are all the same before God. And that's the main point. He's saying that this foundational truth is that in verse 18, listen to this, God has placed the parts and he's ordered the parts. So God has so ordered the different parts of the body. Why? So that there's harmony. That is the goal of the church is that there's harmony and that the body functions because as the body functions, guess what? People are healed. People grow. Ephesians 4, have a read for yourself about, about this body. Paul goes into much more detail. He says, we exist for each other because as we come together, that's how we grow. We have particular people put in place to teach us why so that we grow. You know, God never wants you to be the same. Never. He's about growth. This is called sanctification. What he started with, he will finish at the very end. We don't come to church to just be the same friends. God does, 
That's not God's business. God's in the business of renovation. He wants to renovate you. He wants to turn your world upside down. And that's what I'm reading from this text. It's a body, and every member is important. There are two things that I think are vital as I've read through this passage. I'm just going to slow down a little bit because I'm a bit nervous, you know. And what I think Paul is really talking about here is that this interconnectedness that we have with each other is so important. Disunity is our fault. Seriously. I've been in church long enough to be part of a church split, which was our fault, me and a whole faction of different people, only to go back to that same church a year later and beg them for forgiveness. By God's mercy, they forgave me, but not the other guys. I leave that with them. I've lived long enough in life to know that relationships matter. Relationships are fragile, actually, as, I, as I'm going along in life. I'm 40 now, and I'm just thinking relationships are so fragile. And there are some relationships that I've had that are almost, they can't be repaired. But I've said my peace with them, and I'm at peace with them. But it only spurs me on to, to recognize that the relationships in which I have now, oh, I value them. And this is Paul's point, is he's saying, place value, brothers and sisters, on each other. Value each other. You are so precious. The, the other thing as well is that this, this interconnectedness is kind of strange as well, if you're not used to that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, some of us may, may be a little bit more aloof and we want to kind of stay away from people, but the gospel kind of opens us up. Believe it or not, I used to be a very, very quiet guy. I never used to talk to anybody. Tongans are known to be just silent types, sit in the back. I still sit in the back, actually. <laughs> so there's still parts of me that need to be redeemed. But I think that the overwhelming thing that's changed is that when I received the gospel, I had a love for people. That was so different. I had a love for people. I wanted to be connected to them. Because Paul later on goes to say, if one suffers, we all suffer. If one rejoices, we all rejoice. You see, there's this interconnectedness. We, we, we can't have Christianity at an arm's length. It doesn't work. In fact, that's, that's not church at all. The other thing that I see is so important to our unity is oh, sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving. As you read through 1 Corinthians 12, this passage in which I'm preaching about, uh, you can just see that at ne no point is there one sort of like wanting to be self-served. It's this act of serving the other. Um, and I think... Whether you've been a Christian all your life or you're just a new Christian, this is actually an idea that you actually need to be reminded of daily. 
we actually forget that a big part of Christianity is serving. I mean, Jesus says so himself, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve, and my life is a ransom for many. I've had battles with the serving thing and I've forgotten and and I'll just highlight the struggles that I've had of myself of my own struggles is last year I was helping out with the youth group and uh I liked it it was it was it was good and then towards the end of the year Michael approached me and said do you want to run the youth group you know what the first thing that came to my mind nah no way it's too hard <laughs> I'm way too busy I've got a baby on the I, I, I have a baby. I've got two babies. Life is hectic. And, and so, you know, Michael gave me two months to think about it. And I met up with him in early Feb. I was talking with my wife. I was so conflicted. And I said, Liana, I'm not doing it. We're too busy. I'd love to, but no, not going to do it. And she said, yeah, okay. No worries, but if that was me, I'll do it. And I'll put, oh, <laughs> thanks. And I was so conflicted in my heart. Seriously, I was so conflicted. And so I, I meet up with, with Michael at Speedos, and we're sitting down, and I look at Michael's face. And just immediately, I was like, how can I let this brother plow on his own? How can I let this brother bat for the kingdom of God on his own. And I just was like, I'll take it, whatever. I just couldn't, I couldn't say no. I was compelled. And you know what the funny thing is? The ministry has actually been a blessing to me and my family. It's been a mercy. It's been fantastic. I love it. And so what I thought would be such hard work has actually been a blessing to me and my family. You see how... It's just really odd how God works. Um, and so these foundational truths of our interconnectedness, we belong to each other. There is no hierarchy. There's none better than the other. And actually in that unity is where we grow. You can't grow apart from being part of this body. And you are part of the universal church. You say the Apostles' Creed every Sunday. You are part of the universal church of God. The other thing is this sacrificial giving. Um, one of the things that I, I that helped me to, to serve is understanding that Jesus washed his disciples' feet. You know, you, you ask me, why is that so important, Philip? Because I think that's important to understand because I think if you don't understand the, the self-sacrificial giving of the Lord Jesus, you're going to give and you're going to get tired. You'll give and you'll get tired. And let me, let me, let me highlight this for you because F.F. F. Bruce, um, a Bible scholar, he, he, he writes it this way in his book called Paul the Free Spirit. He says, pagans as well as Jews and God-fearers believed the message and found their lives transformed by a new liberating power which broke the stranglehold of selfishness and vice and purified them from within. You see, this, this giving comes from within. It's a liberating power of the gospel which sets you free to give. 
the message of Christ crucified had accomplished something which nobody of Greek philosophic teaching could have done for them. I think that's powerful. Are you a foot washer? I'm a foot washer. I just want to demonstrate for you, because I had this demonstrated to me, and I thought it was such a powerful illustration. You imagine Jesus, when he was washing his disciples' feet. This is the king of all kings. And he takes a basin of water and a towel. He lays it down. You see, this is this is precisely my point. Is this this is what Jesus does for us? He washes our feet, and that liberating power in which Christ gives us enables us to give fearlessly. I'm going to come back to Apostle Paul because I'm going to I'm going to finish up now, and I see Apostle Paul as our he's our spiritual coach, and. He's got a few unity builders in his repertoire. If you read through the epistles, just read through them really carefully. You will see that he's all about unity. It's all over, all of his epistles. He's always working towards unity. Even with his enemies, he's working towards unity. In Galatians 6 verse 2, this is a unity builder. You imagine Apostle Paul, he's he's giving you the rundown. He's saying, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Romans 12, verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. I think we really find it real hard to rejoice with those who rejoice. Because probably sometimes we're not feeling so rejoiceful. But the Bible here is saying, who cares about you? Rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And mourn with those who mourn. Another unity builder. And I'm going to finish our talk with Romans chapter 12, verse 9. And listen to this. This is Paul's heart to the church of love in action, which I actually think brings greater unity to the church. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. I love this one. Never be lacking in zeal. Be passionate about this God. He is the God of the whole universe. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St. Mark's.